Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Grain by Train podcast for Grain Week 33 to 36, where we discuss how rail service performance is impacting the movement and export of Western Canadian grain. I'm Greg Northey from Pulse Canada, and I'm joined by Mil Proyer of QGI Consulting, who manages the Ag Transport Coalition, a consortium of agriculture groups that produce data and reports on rail service and performance. How are you doing today, Mil? Excellent, Greg. How are you? Pretty good. So we have a lot of ground to cover here, weeks 33 to 36. Generally, some pretty good performance here, as usually we would see at this time of the year. But what did you see in system performance, Milt? Well, like you say, good. If you recall, the last time we did a podcast, uh, we were covering weeks 30 to 32, I believe. And we had talked about at that time, you know, that we were starting to see positive trajectory in performance. And, and the question that we had asked ourselves at the end of that podcast was, is it going to continue? And we can now answer that. And the answer is yes, in fact, it did continue. And in fact, it got better. We've had a really good run for, you know, six weeks now from both CN and CP, particularly weeks 33 through 36 where we have seen probably the best performance from both railways going all the way back to August at the start of the grain year. I mean, just weeks 33, 34, and 35, both railways above 90%. We hadn't seen that since I don't think week five or four in August. We saw a little bit of a dip in last week's performance, week 36, but not significant, uh, you know, from the mid to low 90s down to um, 88, 87%. So not as good, but still good. Um, so that's a positive. And I don't frankly think, you know, we're already starting to see the early returns for week 37. The numbers that I've seen so far would suggest that performance for week 37 should be kind of in this ballpark. So it looks like uh, the trajectory remains positive for both railways, and, and that's a good thing. It is a good thing. You know, it's, I, as I mentioned, it's potentially some some of this driver for this is because of the time of the year. But what has been the difference operationally? Like, what have they been doing a bit differently here that's uh, resulted in some of these better better performance? Well, it comes down pretty simply to improved car spotting for both railways. And we had talked about this a little bit the last time as well, but what we've seen over the last six weeks is, is really a step up by both CN and CP with respect to, you know, uh, the weekly empty car spotting that they're performing. And, you know, when we look at this stuff, it's, a, it's easy to make it complicated, but when you, when you step back and look at it, it's a fairly simple equation. Shippers put in orders for rail cars. If the railway doesn't supply them, then you have poor order fulfillment performance and you get outstanding orders, which you then carry into the following week. And if that happens multiple weeks in a row, then you end up with a big backlog. And once you're in that position, you know, that's when you've really got a problem. And the worst possible scenario in that case is if that happens to happen when the peak shipping season is getting underway which is typically around the first couple of weeks of september because volumes ramp up quickly at that time of year and that's what happened this year actually so for cp you know and i should note that that cp has had uh, much greater struggles than cn neither has been tremendous 
through the late fall and, and winter, but CP has been notably worse. So they got behind and and they've been dragging that backlog with them throughout the year. And it's only in the last uh, six weeks that we've really, you know, seen that that balance change. So just for, you know, the edification, if you will, for listeners, when people talk about demand and car spotting relative demand, it's, it's important that that people understand what we mean by demand. And there's two ways to think of it. There's demand that takes the form of new orders that shippers put in every week. And there's what we call total effective demand, which is those orders plus any outstanding orders that are carried in by the railways from prior weeks because they weren't able to fulfill them on time in the weeks that they were ordered. So if the system is operating well, then there's not much of a difference between those two numbers because order fulfillment tends to be high and you don't have a lot of outstanding orders. So your effective demand week to week is generally close to, you know, what your new demand is. The problem is when things don't go well, which was the case, as we just talked about, starting in, you know, early to mid-September of, of this grain year, effective demand starts to get much larger than the new demand that shippers are placing on a weekly basis. And that's because railways haven't filled orders in prior weeks, so they get added on to the following week, and so on and so on and so on. So just to give people a sense of, of magnitude for that, if we go back and look at a, you know, when service was poor and compare it to the good service that we've seen over the last six weeks, so over the September to February period, which, you know, September to December, early January is kind of the peak shipping season every year. So you would expect demand to be higher. But during that stretch, weekly demand on average, so new orders uh, from shippers was about 9,600 cars a week. However, the problem was that on average, each week during that period, the railways combined, CN and CP, were carrying about 1,900 orders that they hadn't filled in prior weeks. And that number just kept rolling over week to week to week to week. So what that did is it gave you an effective demand each week of about 11,500 cars, which is a, a pretty big number. And at that same time, the railways were only spotting about 9,000 cars a week. So on average, they were falling short by about 2,500 cars a week relative to the number of orders that they needed to fill, both because of the new demand plus the ones that they were late on. So if we roll that forward to what we've seen over the last six weeks when service has been much, much better, weekly demand is about 1,400 cars lower, so 8,200 roughly instead of 9,600, which you'd expect given the time of year. But key is the fact that outstanding orders over the last six weeks on a weekly basis have averaged just over 750 cars per week. So your effective demand um, in the March-April period was about 9,000 cars a week, as opposed to the 11.5 during the September to February period. The railways in the last six weeks have been spotting on average 8,300 cars a week, so less than they were spotting in September to February, but the gap between effective demand and weekly car spotting is only 700 cars, whereas previously the gap was 2,500 cars. 
So when you put those things together, it basically explains why order fulfillment performance has gotten better, why outstanding orders have gone down. And when outstanding orders go down, then that feeds directly back into order fulfillment performance getting better. So it's kind of a circular logic, if you will. If you exceed expectations, then you have the ability to work off your failures, which then contributes to your future success. And that's basically what we've seen in the last six weeks. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And so, you know, it, a, a lot of it strikes me that, you know, so you're saying empty car spotting weekly average was around 9,000 for September to February, which was, just, you know, in many ways, just wasn't enough consistently for what the demand was, even the normal demand, not, not, not to mention the effective demand. And so now they're spotting about 8,300 cars, which uh, is about what is required, right? For what they're, they're somewhat matching what the demand is in the system. So it seems like it's a pretty simple equation. I think as you laid out, if the railways provide enough capacity to meet the demand of their of their customers, then their order fulfillment will be good. And that's kind of the basic premise but of what we're, we're always talking about the railways and that um, we just need them to meet meet the demand of of, of the customers, the people who are, who are paying the paying the freight, right? Yeah, and the, and the problem, which unfortunately we tend to see every year, I think <laughs> we've done this long enough that we know the pattern is fairly repetitive when we get into into the peak shipping season and into winter, is when you fall behind, there you, there's a certain threshold that once you know once you're 800 or a thousand or so orders behind because you have two bad weeks back to back new demand is continuing to climb at that time of year and you've frankly got fixed capacity for the railway there's only so many rail cars there's only so many locomotives and so many train crews so unless you can find a way to use the, that fixed asset pool um, more efficiently then once you're behind it's very difficult to catch up and working against gaining efficiency once you're behind and in the peak season is that you then get winter that lands on you which has the general effect every year of slowing the system down so you know the worst scenario possible which we unfortunately see more often than not is that when demand surges at the beginning of the year the railways fall behind and then they just don't have the capacity to catch up and it takes until you get into the spring just like we're seeing this year when the demand curve starts to subside and the velocity of the system begins to rise because the weather is better there's no disruptions and then you know demand and service the gap closes and you know by the time we're in july we'll be talking about 100 percent or fulfillment week in and week out that's just the way it goes yeah, it makes sense. So let's take a look at provincial performance. I assume that with those high numbers, there probably wasn't many outliers within the provinces as far as specific provincial performance. But was there anything anything specific caught your eye, Milton, those these four weeks that we're talking about? No, um, not really. You know, generally speaking, when top line performance is good, the provinces tend to come along for the ride. I mean, you, you can say that when top line performance is bad, that that has this, a similar effect. But the difference is when when performance at a system level is good, it generally tends to be good across the board in all the provinces for both railways and more consistent. 
when performance is poor at the top level, we tend to see much more irregular or, if you will, or inconsistent performance at the provincial level. So in this particular case, weeks 33 through 36, performance has been good for both CN and CP at the system level. And it's been the same uh, regardless of whether you're in Alberta, Manitoba, or Saskatchewan. I mean, CP had a little bit of a hiccup in Alberta in week 34, but that was really kind of noise in the overall trend. Uh, but apart from that, you know, shippers in all provinces served by both railways have seen uh, pretty good performance uh, over the last four weeks. So let's look ahead a little bit. Obviously, demand is coming down at the moment. Uh, as you say, it's a bit of a traditional thing each year. Have you seen any differences in the demand patterns? Are we just going to see a slow decline in demand as we're as we head into the summer? Uh, I think at the top level, you know, we're seeing kind of the historical trend. We've gone through the the peak. Uh, season. You know, we're now into the middle of April. And historically, the closer we get to summer, demand will decline. And I fully expect that we're going to start to see that. I mean, so far, I would say, you know, since the beginning of the year, demand has actually been fairly resilient, certainly lower than what we saw at the peak shipping period, which you'd expect and which is normal. But we haven't really started to see a decline of any significance in total demand for either CN or CP just yet. Probably the biggest change we've seen in the last month to six weeks, which is also traditional, by the way, is a rise in demand for Thunder Bay. And that's triggered by the opening of the Seaway, which happened, I think, at the end of the third week of March, around March 24th. And when that happens, traditionally, you start to see a tempering of demand in the Vancouver corridor, particularly for CP, because Thunder Bay is a much bigger deal for CP uh, than it is for CN. And we are seeing that, you know, since January, there's been a very clear um, upward trajectory for Thunder Bay demand and pretty clear downward trajectory for demand to Vancouver. I mean, if you go back to uh, the first week of March, there was maybe a couple of hundred cars ordered for Thunder Bay on a weekly basis. In the last four weeks, we've been running right around 2,000 cars a week. So that's normal. We expect to see it. It's not doing anything different, I don't think, than it's done in prior years. But what you will see, I think, starting probably certainly by the third week of May, last week of May, you're going to start to see overall demand start to come down. Uh, noticeably. And that's going to reflect, you know, basically a downward trajectory, I think, in in all corridors, including Thunder Bay, because then it becomes about availability of grain supply. And when you, you know, get through the spring and into the summer, you basically get to the point where you're waiting for the new harvest. And then we'll repeat the cycle starting in, you know, mid-August to uh, early September, where demand will start to climb again in all corridors. And Thunder Bay will go strong until the third week of December when they'll do their seasonal shutdown. And it'll be the same pattern as it always is. Yeah, same pattern. And uh, from a service perspective, often the same result where we are happy now. But in the winter, we were not uh, service just doesn't meet, meet the demand. So you'd think uh, things would change, but unfortunately, they don't seem to. Either way, we'll keep watching this. 
through the summer. Uh, so Milt, uh, look forward to talking to you again soon. For those who would like to see the reports, you can go to www.agtransportcoalition.com and we will talk to you all soon. Bye.